Elial Klein. I am one of the nation's foremost experts on comprehensive sexuality education. I'm a former comprehensive sex educator of over 10 years. I was trained by the LGBTQ community and Planned Parenthood, but I left that work when I realized the great harm it has on our children and families. Today, I'm the founder of It Takes a Family. My goal is to equip you to become your children's greatest advocate and educator by giving you the tools to lead at home, in your community, and through policy. On this show, I tackle the issues that families face today, break them down, offer truth, and common sense solutions to protect your children's hearts and minds. Today is part one of my interview with a parent from Leander ISD. You may have heard about the sexually violent books that this district has approved and provided to its students. The district continues to defend its book list today. This fight between the parents and district has been covered by local radio shows, The Daily Wire, Glenn Beck, and many more. The Daily Wire and Glenn Beck understand the real issues with these books, but the majority of the media has gotten it wrong. They are painting the parents as hateful against the LGBTQ community. But the real complaint about these books is the sexual violence, racism, child rape, and adult child sex scenes that are continually eroticized in great detail. The books do not add to the academic rigor of the students, as most of the books are at a third grade reading level. Nevertheless, the district stands by these books for their quote-unquote diversity. Here is your opportunity to hear the full truth from a Leander ISD parent leader in this fight. Thank you, Marie, for being on the podcast today. Marie, you have been through quite a bit. I want parents to hear about you and the work that you're doing um, and not not work that you just chose to do uh, out of nowhere, but kind of forced into this. Uh, Marie, you're a parent at the Leander ISD School District here in Texas Tell us a little bit about what is going on at Leander ISD. You guys have gotten quite a bit of press, um, not because you're seeking it, but just because of the extreme material that's being shared with parents at Leander ISD. Can you tell us more? Yes. Um, so when COVID hit last spring, um, many parents kind of got the surprise of their lives with the curriculum that their kids were being assigned. Um, prior to that, I thought I knew what was going on in the classroom at my kids' school. Um, I was really involved and um, I was just completely blown away by some of these assignments. And so from there, sort of just word of mouth talking to other parents, um, asking them what was going on in their kids' curriculum that was being sent home, we started to notice trends of all sorts of things popping up. And um, all of us were very concerned. And so over the last year, there's been just a growing, multiple growing groups of parents that are upset by what they're seeing at the high school level, at the middle school level, and the elementary school level. Um, what's getting a lot of attention right now is the high school books, as I'm sure you've seen some of the videos that have gone mm -hmm. viral of, of other parents that have been reading excerpts. Um, and what the, I want, the overwhelming thing that I would love to communicate is that um, the, the main focus has been in the media talking about LGBTQ bigotry, and that's been the, the predominant theme in all of the media coverage that's happening. And really what the big concern is, um, is that a lot of these books show adults having either romantic relationships with minors or actual 
child rape and child sexual abuse in them. And that is just the most alarming thing I I say for most of us parents. Absolutely. I have read the um, excerpts of, of the book. I have I, a lot of that is that parents at your school district have been sharing them. And this is not, these books don't support children, any child, regardless of how they identify, because you're right, Marie, it's actually talking and, and, and it's not, it's not written in a way that is um, like teaching kids to avoid sexual violence or how to avoid sexual violence. It, it actually eroticizes adult child sex and it eroticizes um, just even uh, sexual abuse within the family. Um, Marie, I've even heard um, that there's uh, scenes in some of these books of, of teenagers um, being sexually active around dead animals uh, and, and even bestiality. So none of these themes are healthy for any child. So I can understand why you guys are up in arms. And it's just really unfortunate that people are saying that this is bigotry um, because this is not what we want our LGBTQ kids to be reading either. That's right. Yeah. No child should be reading um, these books. And uh, and you're right on, on all of the, the summary you just gave of those themes that you've read excerpts yourself. That's correct. Those things are in these books. Um, they're on the assigned reading list. And um, what, yes, what's important to understand is that there is a difference between educating children in health class, for instance, about how to avoid sexual violence and how to identify grooming as it's happening for safety. And then there's the other side of it, which is like you said, where it's being eroticized or it's, you know, which is what's happening in these books. Um, and one more thing that's really important to know is that there are, when, when I read some of these, I thought to myself, how is this legal? You know, I know that child pornography is illegal. How is this happening? And there's a law that in the state of Texas that is a child obscenity law. And it says that you actually can't give this material as an adult to a minor, um, particularly if they're under age 14. It's actually more of an egregious offense if they're under 14. And so there is a loophole in that law that historically has allowed um, schools to introduce material if it is for educational reasons. And so um, in the in the spirit of that law, what that was meant to do was to allow you to teach sex ed or to use diagrams of anatomy and not be um, opening yourself up to a lawsuit. Um, but they have gone so far past this that in my opinion, that they are completely breaking this law because um, this is not educational, it's being eroticized. Um, and it also, um, the educational defense is less likely to hold up because the books themselves are far below grade reading level. And one in particular, um, where there's a very graphic uh, child rape scene of a father raping a seven-year-old child, um, is a third grade reading level book. There's a Lexile chart that actually will tell you, you can look up the number and what grade level does it correspond with, and it's third grade. So uh, it's up to the district to justify how this book is a better alternative to um, any other educational book at the right grade reading level and without this obscene material in it. 
Marie, you've done a lot of research into this and I, and I bet you a lot of parents are thinking, oh my gosh, how, how do I get to know all of this? But I do want to back up a little bit about what you mentioned with the obscenity laws. So you were correct. We have these obscenity laws in our country that basically say that you cannot show obscene, pornographic, sexual content type things to children. And the loophole is called an obscenity exemption, which every public school has. Um, so as long as it's for educational purposes, obviously this is being greatly abused. The state of Indiana just recently tried to um, introduce a bill to get rid of, or to repeal basically the obscenity exemption in Indiana. They also shared with the committee there at their capital all of the pornographic uh, content that is being given to children in public schools. Um, unfortunately, they were not able to get that to pass. Now, they, they provided great proof, and it's very unfortunate that the, that the legislators in Indiana didn't do anything with it. Um, but, but it's still a step forward. Now, Texas is doing the same, same thing. So if you're listening in Texas, if you're a Texas resident listening to this podcast, Senator Bob Hall has introduced also uh, a repeal for the ex obscenity exemption in Texas. So we're very hopeful about that. Um, I, I believe that, we're, you know, people have sent him information from Leander ISD as examples of why we need to uh, ensure that this obscenity exemption is removed from our state to protect our children. Um, Marie, the other thing I know parents are always asking, how do I figure out whether this is happening at my school? What is some of the strategies that you and other parents have used to discover what is actually happening and what is being given to the children? If I um, knew then what I know now, uh, what I would suggest everybody do today and what I wish I had done is um, at the start of the school year, ask my child's teacher for a full comprehensive list of the district approved books that my child would be receiving that year. Uh, I would research them using a third party website that's trustworthy. Um, my favorite is um, pluggedin.com media. Um, another is common sense media. And uh, here's, the, here's the thing. Both of those sites are, uh, they'll tell you and flag particular content, like if there's um, sexual content or drugs or alcohol being mentioned, they'll, they'll call that out for you typically. What I found is that common sense media failed to identify any of this stuff in some of the worst of these books. Um, our district uses common sense media and they'll send that out with the book list sometimes when you ask for it to use that as a tool. And we only learned that there were these problems with the books from the parent reviews if you keep scrolling down on the page on common sense media. So I would say plugged in is a better source. Um, so research those books. Um, let your child's teacher know that if there are any sensitive subjects being brought up and you can be very specific about what those subjects are, whatever your boundaries are, that you you want to opt your child out or be given the opportunity to have parental notification for that. And if you're in Texas, like we are, that is part of the educational code here that you are entitled to opt out of, of certain topics. Um, also, having an understanding of who is creating your child's curriculum. Um, I think teachers get the, you know, unfairly get the blame on this when a lot of teachers actually have a problem with the material also. Um, 
there's teachers who teach the material, but the people who create the curriculum and give it to the teachers to teach is a whole separate team of people that are kind of behind the scenes. And so one way that we sort of figured out what was driving some of these changes that we were seeing to our curriculum was using open source, um, you know, information like finding out who is our curriculum leader and for a particular uh, grade level and then going and checking out her official district Twitter account, for instance. And that was very enlightening to see them openly saying what they're doing. Um, in most cases, they're telling you what they're doing. So um, if you're wondering about your district specifically, I would say definitely, definitely uh, find your your the right employee, go check them out on Twitter on their district account, and most of them have them, and you'll see it all there out in the open. Interesting that they were using their district account uh, and revealing what they were showing. And oftentimes, Marie, what I'm and what I'm hearing from you is that the people who are choosing this extreme um, teaching and materials are really proud of it. They don't see anything wrong with it. So they're often very transparent on social media about what they're doing, which is which is what you all found. Correct. Yes. And that's the most alarming part of all of this is um, to see people in these positions where they're influencing children and deciding what they get, what they're seeing in the classroom, be so proud and open and um advocating for this, that they believe that this is healthy for a child to be given, you know, books depicting child rape, that this is a good thing. Um, we even have school board members who are openly saying that it's healthy for a child to read about sexual abuse in the way that it's depicted in these books. And so um, if you let them, they'll tell you exactly what they believe. And uh, from there, then you can take those statements that they've made um, and bring it to the next level up and, and show them and say, hey, we're asking you to take a stand. What is your what is your position on this? Is this a district that believes that we should be giving this to minors or do you believe that we shouldn't? And then then puts it on them to make that stand. Do you see that they're against it or do you see that they're really advocating for it? You are absolutely right in that statement. And uh, the way that these um the way that these scenes are depicted, it's not in a way that's educational to inform the child or the student that this occurs in life sometimes and how to recognize it and be safe against it. It is um, glorifying it. It's eroticizing it. Um, and we'll go deeper into the plot lines a little bit later to give more context to that. But um, I would go so far to say that kids who haven't already been traumatized would probably be traumatized reading some of these books. Personally, I felt just still, I, you know, you have trouble sleeping after reading some of this. Um, mm -hmm. So I can only imagine how a child who has been through trauma would react to such material being given, especially without a warning that this would be a surprise that they're getting these books. And that is another thing that I want to mention. Um, so not only are the kids getting these books from school, but they're, um, the descriptions that go along with the books that the child would, you know, look at the book menu and read the description to see, well, which one is my choice? Which one would I like to read? Those descriptions are completely inadequate. They do not at all flag a lot of this content. Um, the one that we were just discussing about the, you know, the father raping the small child, it literally sounds like a Disney movie when you're reading it. It's very enticing, the book description. You almost want to jump in and read and you just 
are just overwhelmed and shocked when you get to these parts. And it's throughout the entire book. Um, and it makes you wonder, you know, we know that we have people who intentionally want kids to have this because they've said so, that they've read them and they felt that they were good for the kids. Then you have them also, it's almost like tricking them into selecting these books and choosing and tricking the parents who are reading the descriptions also, in some cases, uh, thinking that a book is acceptable or okay because the district said that, you know, it's like a Disney movie. This is totally appropriate for my child. Um, and so you have kids that are just really emotionally upset and disturbed after reading this. And um, the state of Texas requires um, public schools to have their teachers go through trauma-informed teacher training. And our district, Leander ISD, is out of compliance with that requirement. And it's very obvious that that's needed because if our curriculum developers had gone through such a training, then we would have a common language about why this isn't okay to give to a child, especially one who's experienced trauma. And by some statistics that I've read, um, almost like 50%, 40 to 50% of students in America today have experienced some form of trauma in their childhood. So it's more happening more frequently than we realize, and we need to be very careful about that. I'm so glad you brought that up, Marie. Um, the trauma-informed training is very important. Um, and I think even parents should be aware of where that training is coming from, because there are many organizations that provide trauma-informed training who are still supporters of some of these books. So I think that's another, that's probably for another show, another podcast to dive into <laughs> what is truly trauma-informed. Um, now, when you were talking about the descriptions for these books that you said are are not accurate as far as what the content of the book actually is. Uh, the curriculum team, uh, when they're making changes to curriculum, will review material, in this case books, and they will create a book description to go along with it. Um, and so they put, they create a document for each grade level of all the books that are approved and the corresponding book description. And when you ask, uh, when you ask them to provide that to you, they'll send you the list and you can read the corresponding description for each one. And so the descriptions, when I say that they're inaccurate, that's not from some third party website. This is the ones that the district has put on their official curriculum document that they're required to give you when you ask. And this is their description. And so you have curriculum developers who read this, these books, wrote these descriptions or approved these descriptions, knowing that they did not at all mention rape or any sensitive topic at all. For the parents listening, which I'm sure there's a little bit of a state of panic in the hearts of parents listening. Guys, it, it, y'all are doing an amazing job at Leander ISD. All of the parents are doing an amazing job. And I want, I'm going to put this in the show notes so you can go to my website to be able to see the sh some of the show notes here. But one of the things that I want to emphasize that Marie was mentioning is kind of a list of things that she would wish she would have done or could do differently next time, uh, not that you did anything wrong, but basically, Marie, you talked about asking for a list of the district approved um, book list, the book list. Um, and, to, and to look at that book list at the beginning of the year, you also mentioned using uh, third party media, uh, like plugin.com or common sense media to review or to, to read the reviews on these books. Um, also, in the state of Texas, and I think in You'll have to look into the laws of your own state, but opting out of instruction that 
um, there's certain topics that you may not want your child to be a part of, whether it's sex ed or any other topic that that is just against your family values or something that you just don't want your child being taught at school. You have the right to opt them out. And also looking into who is creating the curriculum, um, not just the teachers implementing the curriculum, but the actual people who are behind the scenes creating the curriculum. Um, and you suggested, Marie, even using open source information like Twitter and Facebook uh, and looking at their district accounts and that many times people are sharing their true thoughts behind the curriculum and what they're teaching children. Yes. And that's another finding that um, has surprised me is that uh, the the curriculum developers and employees who are are openly championing this. Um, are often involved with larger organizations that connect them with other curriculum developers um, or and other administrators throughout the country. And so some of this is actually bigger than even just our district um, or another uh, city's district. It's being driven by a higher level organization, um, organizations, plural, um, that are telling them that this is the new way, that this is what we're shifting to in terms of curriculum for kids and books for kids. And they're making book suggestions like, uh, you know, look at this one's great. It it's, um, helps to, to show representation of different groups. Um, and they'll give, you know, a suggested list of however many books. And that sometimes is what these developers are using to choose from, um, which is very interesting. So, uh, we need to shield our kids or help our kids at the local level, but also start paying attention to some of these uh, special interest organizations that uh, oversee or are connecting a lot of our districts together. And um, also our tax dollars are funding membership in a lot of these organizations. And we're paying for conferences for our teachers and for our administrators to go travel where they can learn more about uh, this new way, right, that we don't agree with. So. It's a problem. Marie, do you know the names of some of these organizations? I do. Um, I have the acronym for one of them, and I'll have to look up what it stands for, but N-C-T-E. So that's N as in Nancy, C as in Charles, T as in teacher, E as in equity. Uh, that is an organization that our district specifically uses guidelines set by them in evaluating curriculum. Um, and so you can actually, as a parent, <clears throat> reach out to your district and find out what opportunities there are for curriculum review committees. Um, they, our district gives opportunities to parents who want to be involved. And for instance, if you want to um, review the book list as they are revising it, you can get on that committee and you can actually read these books. And they'll give you the same guidelines that they use to evaluate the material. Um, you're kind of like the second pair of eyes. And so our district provided guidelines from the NCTE. And when you go to the NCTE, you can see why we're, where this is coming from and, and where it's, what it's being, where, who's driving it basically. Oh, that's great research, Marie. That is phenomenal research. It's really similar. And we'll have someone else on the podcast soon uh, to talk about the electronic library um, program that are being used that also have a lot of pornographic content, uh, EBSCO being one of them, and, and there's a few others. And so we'll definitely have some people who you may want to also be looking into because you're discovering this as well. You know, what's really important is that 
a lot of times these organizations sound so official that parents think that, oh, well, they set guidelines and that's what the school has to follow. Many times it's they're not official organizations that the public schools are required to utilize. And so it's very uh, possible that, you know, we don't actually have to take their guidelines. We don't have to listen to to their advice on <laughs> curriculum guidelines. So that's something to, to look into because you're making a great point that not only are these guidelines harming our children, but also our tax money is going towards buying these books that are harmful to children and for memberships and travel to be educated by organizations that are steering our teachers to be teaching in ways that are really harmful to our children. So uh, great research, Marie. Hey guys, you don't want to miss part two of my interview with Marie. In part two, Marie describes the explicit and harmful storylines of several books at Leander ISD. She's not going to read it verbatim. It's just a description. Um, but please, you do want to listen to this because it's better that you listen to it and find out what's happening at your school than your child being exposed to it. Also, do you know that this podcast is being listened to internationally? Also, there is a growing number of Gen Zers subscribing to this podcast. Some have sought out training from It Takes a Family to learn more about how comprehensive sex education grooms children to choose abortion. One young lady used her training to strengthen her pro-life advocacy by asking school board candidates about public school sex education and their pro-life stance at a candidate luncheon. Check out our Instagram account to learn more about her. This is a listener-supported podcast. Your support for the production of this podcast is greatly appreciated. To make a donation, go to ittakesafamily.org and click on the donate button. 